0: Welcome to Galsplain, the podcast where two best gals explain anything, and everything to each other better than any man ever has. This week, we're diving into the life and
1: mysteries of Amelia Earhart and the 36 questions that lead to love.
0: Yeah, you could Google it, but isn't it more fun to learn it from a friend? I'm Michelle. And I'm Claire. Michelle. <laughs> every week, I feel like it's an acting exercise to think of how to say those lines with different inflections. Oh
1: yeah. It means a new <laughs> thing every week. wait oh we did say the man part especially that line the better than any man ever has i'm like hmm how am i delivering this this week
0: (laughs) here's a section called claire's body likes to shut down and give her diseases that 70 year old people have
1: (laughs) no this is a this is a chronic disease that could happen to anyone
0: (laughs) oh it's not it's not a disease for anybody listening it's not bad I recently got uh, diagnosed with an eyelid condition (laughs) called blepharitis. Had you
1: heard of it before the other day, Michelle? No, but I think the name sounds like something an elephant would get. I, know.
0: I can't stop saying it basically it just means that my eyelids to, to not get really gross it's like eczema or uh, rosacea but it's on your eyelids they get really dry and gross and mine happened to get infected and I just wanted to give a shout out to uh working with your friend because Michelle was the most understanding person in the world if this was like work they'd be like what an eyelid infection but Michelle was like no are you okay what's going on what is blepharitis tell me all about it send me pictures she's talking about this
1: like it was some little thing that was like a scratchy eye like no this girl like couldn't see for a whole day and she was like uh I'll try to get to posting social stuff like soon I'm like girl you're literally like making stuff in a feverish haze right now like Uh yeah, Claire Claire's a real real good one too for working so hard even when she's always like, you know, not feeling her best. Thanks. (laughs) Of course. I think it's time we actually start talking about lessons in school. So let me give you a little lesson on Amelia Earhart. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) So what do you know about Amelia Earhart, Claire? She's missing. She is missing. Okay. Present tense. You think we can still find her?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> all I know is in high school, I was in like a group of friends got together and made a movie uh, called The Real Housewives of Moosetown, Nebraska. where we pretended to be different housewives. I hope this never comes to light because the footage is probably awful. Uh, But we put together this movie, so much fun. And one of our good friends, Colin, played a character that was very mysterious, very out of the box. And at the end of the season, her big reveal was that she was Amelia Earhart.
1: We'll get to that. (laughs) We'll get to that. There's a theory. There's a theory, but we'll get to it.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, But that's all I know.
1: What I know about Amelia Earhart is, or knew about Amelia Earhart before, you know, researching for this, uh, was this, I just always had this fascination about her since I was like in elementary school. I remember learning about her as this like big, you know, strong woman who I could look up to for being the first in all these, you know, woman feats. So yeah, I think there was like a kind of thing between like a ton of young girls, especially in America like, look up to her. But I also wonder, like, do you think she would have been as popular or as famous if she didn't go missing? Who knows?
0: Yeah, I think there's no way to know unless she hadn't gone missing. <laughs> but
1: uh, here's what we do know about her life and her mysteries. So we're just going to go through a basic biography of Amelia Earhart's life, get to know who she was a little bit, because I feel like we talk so much about, like, what happened to her. Like, who is she? You know?
0: Who is she? Is
1: Amelia. <laughs> I found that she <laughs> was actually a little mysterious, especially like in her time to live the way she lived. So she was born in Atchison, Kansas on July 24th, 1897. Kansas, baby. And she was a Red Cross nurse's aide in World War One, and... Being a nurse's aide during World War One, she saw a lot of aviators and a lot of people flying planes, and that's, like, where she started getting interested in that kind of thing, you know? Heck yeah. But after the war, she actually went to Columbia University and studied pre-med. So, I'm sorry. We're talking 1920-ish. She was she was going to Columbia for pre-med. She was a nurse's aide in World War One. This is, like, some girl who was born in Atchison, Kansas... And all of a sudden, she's at Columbia studying pre-med and admiring people in planes. Ooh, genius. Yeah. Like, she she was out there, like, doing stuff. She took her first airplane ride on December 1920. So this is her early 20s. She's, like, taking her first airplane ride. Imagine. That's, like, our age, taking our first airplane ride and being like, I'm going to fly a plane. Kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, People do it, though. Um, But, I mean, not people really back then. (laughs) Um, She started flying lessons with a woman named Nita Snook in January 1921. Yeah. And after these flying lessons, later that year, she bought her own plane that she called the Canary because it was yellow. And then she passed her flight test December 1921. She passed her flight test a year after she took her first plane ride. Wow. Yeah. Wow is correct. She then became the first woman to fly solo above 14,000 feet. She also became the first woman to fly solo nonstop across the U.S. from L.A. to Newark. Um, But this is one that got confusing for me. She became the second person and the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Sounds pretty normal, right? She came right after Charles Lindbergh. If you know who he was, he was the per- first person to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. But looking deeper into this, it actually got a lot weirder to me. And maybe I just didn't have the right sources. But I, I tried looking, and I couldn't find anything. It said that hmm. this flight started in Newfoundland, Canada. That fact remains correct. But the ending place for this flight is different everywhere the first place i looked said that it ended in londonderry northern ireland i've been there yeah Uh and that's where that flight ended but other sources say that it ended in Buryport, port south wales and even more sources say that it landed in uh i think it's pronounced pill south wales i i studied abroad in wales so i but i don't know welsh i'm sorry (laughs) um (laughs) And so even in Wales, it's disputed where she landed in Wales on this flight. But it's not even necessarily factual that she landed in Wales. And there's proof in both places that she landed in both places. Like, for instance, um, there's things about her landing in someone's pasture somewhere in Northern Ireland and that she landed there after veering off course from Paris. But then the proof for Wales is like... Her talking about how she didn't even see Ireland when she passed it. And like, it's, there's plaques in Wales that are saying like, she landed right here, but in two different towns in Wales. It's like very confusing and weird. And maybe I just didn't research properly, but I I saw multiple things saying that those are the landing spots that made her the first woman to fly across the Atlantic. So I don't know. She did some pretty cool stuff. She also placed third in the first transcontinental air race for women in 1929 is called the all women's air derby. She did a lot of cool stuff for women. She also helped for the 99s, which was an international organization for the advancement of female pilots. Um, And she was a bad ass when it came to how she felt about marriage and relationships. She married a a man named um, George Putnam, who was a publisher and, (laughs) You got excited at his name. Why'd you get excited?
0: Oh, for such a stupid reason. Because on Facebook Messenger back in the day, when you used to type like a dash and then the word Putnam and then another dash, you would get like this little face emoji.
1: You did. You're so right. I wonder why. Who remembers OGs only? (laughs) That that was like a Raven moment. That's a Raven moment. (laughs) Um, But she married him in 1931, but she didn't want to conform to traditional marriage norms through this and wrote in Hmm. her prenup such quotes as, in our life together, I shall not hold you to any medieval code of faithfulness to me, nor shall I consider myself bound to you similarly. She also said, I may have to keep some place where I can go to be by myself now and then, for I cannot guarantee to endure at all the confinements of even an attractive cage.
0: Ooh, so she was herself first before a wife. I like Mm -hmm. that.
1: She also said, I must exact a cruel promise, and that is you will let me go in a year if we find no happiness together. She said, this marriage is only lasting for a year if I say so. Wow. Mm -hmm. She was. She said, let me try it out. She was a (laughs) modern woman. She really like, ooh, that's not a thing I hear about much from this time era. Women acting like that in marriage, especially a woman as, you know, in the limelight as she was. But anyways, uh, the end of the story or the beginning for some people sadly begins on June 1st, 1937. She left on an eastbound flight around the world from Oakland, California with her navigator, Fred Noonan. They went on the Lockheed 10E Electra. She did this to become the first pilot ever to circumnavigate the globe. That was her goal with this. So she went eastbound from Oakland. So if you know the globe very well, she actually got pretty far in her journey. She reached Ley, New Guinea um, with only 7000 miles left on her journey on June 29th. The thought was that her next gas stop would be in Howland Island, and she left for that on July 2nd. Um, But they lost radio contact with the Coast Guards. This is the last that she was ever heard from. Hmm. FDR authorized a search for them because he was the president at the time. Uh, But they were declared lost at sea July 19th, 1937. So... On to what people think happened. I'm going to start. There's some crazy ones out there, some crazy conspiracies. Going back to our conspiracy theory episode, I mean, it, it really changes for everyone what kind of stuff you believe in. Um, and it's not bad to believe one more than the other, but some do make a little more sense than others. Uh, and we'll talk about what we think at the end. OK.
0: I have theories, so.
1: <laughs> and there's definitely some that I didn't include in here, so... Let's get into it. So the first easiest thing is that her plane ran out of gas and crashed and nobody ever found the remains because to this day, uh, there is no plane that's been found to be claimed as Air Hearts.
0: So they had already flown, like almost done with their trip. What makes anyone think that she would have just pushed it and not estimated for the right amount of gas?
1: Right. And I just think that it's a bit odd that after all this time, they have all this high tech equipment to look for this big mystery. They've never found her plane. I mean, yeah, oceans are large. We have not like looked that deep in oceans and, everything out there but like which just weird with her being such a genius pilot that she was to just
0: run out of gas right i think that people could believe that but i don't like to believe that because it makes it sound so like oh she just ran out of gas and it's like no she was so epic something super epic had to have happened in my mind
1: well then we go on to what i i'll admit my bias i do think this is what actually happened unfortunately Though this one also is not liked by, I think, a lot of conspiracy theorists because it's kind of a sad ending. So what people actually think happens is that she, in a way, maybe lost gas, maybe something happened, but she veered off course 350 miles uh, from where she was supposed to go to land uh, land on the uninhabited island of Nikomaroro, which is was formerly called Gardner Island. They actually did like kind of fly past this island a week after her disappearance. But they didn't see any sign of an airplane, so they didn't really check. But apparently they found some forms of new habitants at this place, but they didn't check on it really. So if she was there, they could have saved her, but they didn't. Um, which is unfortunate, I think. But the International Group of Historic Aircraft Recovery believes that Earhart and Noonan survived as castaways for a bit there before eventually dying. The proof for this is that they found plexiglass there, possibly from the Electra. They found 1930s-era women's shoes, improvised tools, women's cosmetics from the 1930s, human finger bones, pocket knives, zippers, bottles, like a ton of stuff. Oh,
0: okay. So they have gone back since. Yeah. It's not just like there could be a whole like chain generation of Earhart and Noonan's children like on this island. (laughs) No. That's
1: that's where my brain was going. I mean, it'd be pretty insane. But no, it's uh, it's it's they found artifacts there since. But the thing is, they never found a plane. There's another thing that kind of is about this, too, that kind of goes into this theory. A teenager in St. Petersburg, Florida named Betty Clank claims that she got a message on her shortwave set uh, of Amelia Earhart crying out for help. Her father reported this, uh, Betty Klink's father reported this, uh, but that's kind of where that line of string ended. The theory is that she kept the engines running on the plane to charge the radio um, while she was cast away to broadcast for help. Um, And it just happened to reach Betty's shortwave set.
0: Would it reach Florida? Like, I have no idea where this island was.
1: Yeah, I saw something about, you know, radios back then or radios even now pinging, just like jumping and skipping and pinging or something. I don't know how shortwave sets work, so.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to rely on Betty's word either.
1: Yeah, I think also like it's it's hard to believe because it could have just been this teenager making this stuff up. And I think that is why it's dismissed a little bit. So but that is something that someone said, which would kind of make sense with this specific theory. Yeah. So that's that theory, which I think holds a lot of ground. I mean, they found artifacts there. Uh, They didn't check it out as much as they should have maybe when they were searching initially. Um, The International Group of Historic Aircraft Recovery believes this, which seems pretty official to me. But I mean, I don't know. This group might be... Not as official as they sound. Another one, which you said earlier, kind of, you kind of hinted at, was that there was actually someone who was accused of being Amelia Earhart, but that she changed her identity. Um, She was a banker. Her name was Irene Craigmile Bolum. And she was written about by a man named Joe Class in a book called Amelia Earhart Lives. She, Irene Bolum, actually filed a lawsuit, like a $1.5 million lawsuit, I think, in damages against this man to rebuke these claims. And she actually reached a settlement
0: out of court for this. Oh, my gosh. Wait, so. But I think this is kind some, of insane. Wh- why did somebody think it was her? Like, what made them think a banker was Amelia Earhart? <laughs> well, I guess we have to read the book. But I think like
1: this one's really weird to me because I feel like you hear like when when you talk about Anastasia's disappearance, which I would love to talk about Anastasia one day on this that show. That was
0: season two of The Real Housewives of Moosetown, Nebraska. <laughs> the same character came out as Anastasia. Oh I mean, gosh. I'm not saying that we were making like premiere state of the art groundbreaking <laughs> Uh, film, but it kind of sounds like we were. Oh, my God. Don't make me more jealous, Claire. Oh, my God. I I know Colin listens. So, hi, Colin. Hi, Colin. I love you. It's okay. (laughs) Um,
1: But what I think is weird about this is when you talk about people like Anastasia, like when people... We're saying that they were Anastasia. They were trying to be famous. You know, they were trying to accrue some sort of popularity or fame. But with this situation, she was not claiming she was Amelia Earhart. She was saying, I am not Amelia Earhart. How dare you accuse me? Which is interesting to me because why would he? Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you want
0: to be Amelia Earhart, too? Oh, well,
1: that's a thought, too. But you know what? Like, I think also she had her whole personal life, like, just upended for this research on whether or not she was Amelia Earhart. Like, her public life was probably on display. Like, that would have been a lot, maybe.
0: For someone to write a book about it? Yeah. They had to have... I mean, I guess they don't have to have any kind of proof to write a book. But I feel like... They have to have something. Oh, that's interesting. I like thinking about that much more than other theories. <laughs>
1: I also just think it's so weird because, like, who, yeah, who would write a book about someone else? I think now I have to read this book and report back, honestly.
0: OK, please do. Um, but
1: the, the final thing theory is that um, she and Fred Noonan, um, her navigator, that they changed identities and acted as spies against the Japanese. <gasps> this is this is pretty groundless, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, there's like a few things about her being Tokyo Rose, which is like a anonymous radio host that speaks in an American accent and. Japan, like during the war. Um, it, that even her husband like kind of looked in on that theory, but like he even eventually said it sounded nothing like her. So this is a pretty groundless theory, but this theory actually goes into a different theory, um, about her possibly being executed by the Japanese and having it covered up. Ooh. So Mike Campbell wrote about this theory in Amelia Earhart, The Truth at Last. The testimony is that um a lot of American servicemen and um, Pacific Islanders say that an American man and woman who were nameless landed in the Marshall Islands that was Japanese controlled in 1937. They were taken to Saipen, which is an island in northern in the northern Mariana Islands. And it's now a part of the U.S. Commonwealth, which, yes, the U.S. has a commonwealth um, still. And uh, it does have a lot of heavy influence in Japanese culture still there. The thought is that they were imprisoned and tortured to death and or they died of dysentery or something like that. But a lot of the proof here is through like second or third hand rumors from people like people like, oh, yeah, I totally saw them. They were being tortured or like I saw them being like, you know, locked away, all this stuff. But Campbell asserts that FDR knew about Saipan and Earhart and the reason It didn't come out was because of a cynical and lazy media, in his opinion. Ooh. And he believes that this was one big cover up to save FDR's skin.
0: Ah, I don't know anything really. or I don't know a lot about this time period, but I feel like all of these theories hold some kind of weight. Mm.
1: I mean, it's very easy, especially still to like not trust the media, obviously, like that's always been a thing. Um, And I think that this was this was one that was a very political one probably at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Based on if you liked FDR or if you didn't, I feel like you would have different feelings about this theory. But that's all of the ones that I found. What do you think happened after hearing all of these?
0: I feel like the thing with the island makes a lot of sense. And the last one that you said Makes a lot of sense, especially the thing with the island because of everything that they found on the island. But when you first said that she was, you know, this groundbreaking woman, like changing the world, and then that she went missing with a man, my first theory was, oh, Lord, He didn't like that she was this groundbreaking woman. Are we implicating Uh, Fred? uh, You know, on no ground whatsoever. If you knew him (laughs) or are a relative of his, I'm sorry. But this is my gut kind of like push when you first said that, thinking of groundbreaking women and how at this time women were held back in so many ways And people didn't like the power that women were gaining. I
1: mean, in that same view, though, you could implicate FDR more, right? Like, she was this really powerful woman who was breaking all these records. She was trying to break a record before any man. Remember that. She was trying to be the first person to circumnavigate the world. Not the first woman. So, yeah. It does implicate a bit, like, why, how was she able to get away with being so strong at this time? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot at play here, but more than anything, I think that this is one of the stories that's going to go down in the books right alongside with what happened to Anastasia and who killed Bonnet Ramsey. Things like we will have theories about, but probably, sadly, never really know. Yeah, you're totally right. All in all, though, she will always be
1: remembered as a badass lady. And for that, I am thankful for you, Amelia Earhart, wherever you ended up. Yes. Um, But now on to a lovely little recess. Oh, there's the bell.
0: Welcome to recess, everybody, everyone's favorite part of the school day. So last week in our podcast episode, we talked about uh, easy ways to organize and kind of redecorate your home, And, and we took a little poll on our Instagram, and Michelle, I have to tell you, everybody loved our tips. They loved every single one except... DIY. Nobody picked that they wanted to DIY anything for their space. Well, that's because DIY is the most work, Claire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that. I feel like crafting has always not been my strong suit either, folks.
0: (laughs) I, uh, you know, I guess I've always been a little crafty. Mm. What
1: were the ones that people did like, though, Claire?
0: Oh, they loved the idea of shopping your own house, which if you don't know what that means, you'll have to listen to last week's episode, Mm -hmm. doing some tidying, lighting candles or lamps to set a mood in your home, and also just moving stuff around.
1: Oh, yeah. Those are some of my favorites, too. And we also
0: asked what your favorite holiday traditions were. These were weird. We, we said favorite or something weird that your family does. <laughs> and I, I loved them. My, not to pick favorites, but my favorite response was, my family has the youngest child put Jesus in a manger as we sing happy birthday to him. <laughs>
1: I think that's so hilarious. <laughs> I think that's such a lighthearted way for a family to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> it's, it's keeping the spirit of uh, what you believe happens, but in a very goofy way.
0: <laughs> I love it too. And I love that growing up as a kid, this listener probably thought, this is a very normal thing. And every family does that. And then one day they learned in school, No. No one else does that. That's just a weird tradition that your family does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did you like any? Did any stick out to you, Michelle? Yeah, I liked uh, a couple. There is one person who
1: responded to the sticker. And by the way, if you respond to the sticker, you have to specify that you want your name included. Uh, If not, you'll just be anonymous because we don't want to make you have your name out there if you don't want your name out there. But uh, this person said that they decorated their fan with candy canes, and then they turn on the fan on New Year's to fling them all over. So I guess once the Christmas season's over, it's New Year's, so they just, what, they fling the
0: candy canes all over their room? Is that what they do? I am so into that. That is, that is just ridiculous. That sounds painful. (laughs) It rains candy canes at midnight. Can you imagine doing it in every room in the house and then at midnight, like you're all in different rooms counting down and you just turn on the van?
1: <laughs> I think that's an uh, insane tradition. I'm very happy for you and I hope you have a happy New Year's with your candy cane storm this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's one on here that really stuck out to me. It said, when we were younger and still to this day, my parents do not put our presents under the tree (laughs) and this one stuck out to me because uh i relate to it because my sister submitted that one yeah (laughs) (laughs) and yeah i my parents would like put our presents like on a chair so that we could all sit in the living room in chairs on the couch and like relax while we opened presents one by one But I've heard in other families, they put them all under the tree and everybody like runs and like opens them all up at once. But no, like our present opening took a really long time. We would open them one by one. We would all watch. We would thank everyone. If we opened my aunt's gifts first, we would call her on the phone. Like it was a big thing.
1: I will say that's how we celebrate Hanukkah, too, is like my big whole family, when they get together, they celebrate like one day of Hanukkah. Even if it's not Hanukkah, it's like Thanksgiving, maybe. Mm -hmm. and each one by one starting with the youngest we open up the presents um and we each go in a circle until you know the youngest obviously have more presents so they start opening it all (laughs) up by themselves (laughs) i i love that well thank you for your weird family thing claire and thank you to all our listeners um but i think it's time to return back to our lessons for today yeah
0: Hey, Michelle, back from recess and ready for love. Is that right? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in this second half, we are going to be talking about the infamous, to me, maybe not to Michelle, <laughs> 36 questions that lead to love. So in 2015, the New York Times released an article that sparked a phenomenon it was called the 36 questions that lead to love have you heard of this before no
1: (laughs) i literally i don't know at all what what uh claire's topic is today i feel like usually we talk a good bit about like what we're talking about but with all the i stuff this week i just i don't know i i i absolutely have no idea about this topic so
0: you're saying i a lot it's very triggering oh sorry i'm just kidding (laughs) You know, I, I, <laughs> oh God, oh my
1: God! <laughs> no, what I thought
0: you were saying was
1: whenever I think of like writing a paper, do you ever think of Anne Hathaway in Princess Diaries where they say, don't say I so much, where she's like, oh. makes that whole speech about, I say I too much when I'm like talking, so I'm not going to say I this much because it, like that's, that's selfish. And so I always think about that when I'm writing like a cover letter
0: or something Oh, I was just talking about my eyeballs. Yeah, I'm so sorry about those eyes. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) So anyways, this article, which actually includes the 36 questions, was sparked from another article in the New York Times, a modern love essay. A lot of us have heard of this like modern love section of the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And all of this Came from a study actually done in 1997, the year I was born, the year of the ox, um, by psychologist Arthur Aaron, A R O N. So I'm just gonna say Aaron, uh, which explored whether intimacy between two strangers can be accelerated by asking a series of personal questions. So the idea was two strangers sit in a room and may ask and answer these 36 questions completely honestly and openly, and they fall in love. Uh, So this is the idea that vulnerability leads to intimacy, which leads to love. So these 36 questions force honesty, vulnerability, and they push past kind of playing any kind of games that you would at the beginning of a relationship. What's your favorite color? Where would you want a vacation? These questions are a lot deeper than that.
1: Mm. I'm I'm a little weary. But I'm interested to learn. Yeah.
0: Well, the questions are broken up into three sets, which each set gets more probing and personal. I've been really intrigued by this idea because I've seen the YouTube video social experiments with these questions where two strangers actually sit in a room and answer these questions and um, and, and that was about developing romantic relationships, but upon my research, I've actually found that these questions can deepen existing romantic relationships, family relationships, and even friendships. I was just talking um, with my mom the other day, and her and her good friend, who used to be our neighbor, uh, they have been friends for, what, like 20 years? And they don't see each other in person anymore because they live all the way across the country from each other. with COVID and everything so they've been trying to learn something new about each other instead of just talking about like day-to-day life and situations that they're in they've been thinking of probing questions to ask each other like questions in this 36 questions to fall in love um, study so the 1997 study that I mentioned earlier talks about the way to sustain any close relationship is through sustained escalating reciprocal personal self-disclosure. So to break that down, it means that continuously you need to get deeper with people, it needs to be reciprocal, so you need to be on the same level, and you need to disclose things about yourself to show that you trust the other person. Um, I've been reading about people doing this in quarantine with friends, roommates, partners, both that they live with and are seeing, but also like through these Zoom hangouts and things like that, ways to deepen friendships even though people can't see each other for like a year.
1: Yeah. I think it's hard to like find the ways to talk to people sometimes when things are just constantly the same.
0: Yeah. So um Michelle and I are gonna dive into some of these questions in a minute. Yeah. So I hope that this can inspire everyone listening, just new conversation topics for you to have at home. Um and also we'll do a little reflection on uh on how we feel about it. I know that I asked Jeff just one of these questions when I was writing all my notes down for this, and I learned something that I didn't know about him, and we live together. so oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Bring it. So I think that they're interesting to hear, um, but they're also interesting to think about yourself. Some are super deep and emotional, <laughs> and some are more lighthearted and just thought probing. But I think each one dives into who you are as a person. You're supposed to answer fast. You don't need the perfect answers. Mm. So impulses and gut reactions are good. And I figured we would take a few questions from each section, answer them for each other in the audience, and see what new things we learn from each other. Even though we're already deeply in love, um, (laughs) I think that it would be fun. Claire said she might leave Jeff for me
1: if this goes well. so
0: I'm excited. <laughs> All right, part one. So I'm just going to give you the first question right off the bat. It's kind of a softball. I mentioned it earlier. Given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest?
1: Um, anyone? Anyone? Um, you. <laughs> no. Oh my god, what? No. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right now, yeah. But okay, okay. And i I know what you mean, though. Um...
0: <laughs> Thanks. That was so nice. <laughs> um, oh,
1: Sandra Bullock. I love that answer. Yeah. I got the proposal on the mind for some reason.
0: Oh, that's good. All right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think mine would be, and I'm taking this as, like, living or dead. Um... Oh. <laughs> okay. Sandra <laughs> Bullock, living or dead. I think I would go the way of my grandpa that i've never met oh. he passed away when my mom was in her 20s now i feel bad oh my gosh don't <laughs> don't i had time to think about some of these while i was writing them down so don't feel bad oh that's true all right we're gonna jump into another question and i'm just pulling random ones from this section this is the softball section so okay, Oof. okay. before making a telephone call do you rehearse what you're going to say why? Yeah, why? Because I have anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't mm. because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm pretty comfortable on the phone.
1: If I don't, well, I mean, I don't and sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. I, I've been made fun of in the past for like how I order food and like I, I do it especially if I'm like going through a, a drive-through line. Like I have to rehearse what I'm gonna say in a drive-through line.
0: Oh my gosh, really? That's so interesting. Yeah. Next question. Mm-hmm. When did you last sing to yourself to someone else?
1: So, so it's two parts. So when was the last time I sang to myself? When was the last mm-hmm. time I sang for someone? Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I sang to myself was probably like, probably sometime within the last few days, like maybe in the shower. Sometimes I sing. Oh, you know what? I sing at work a lot to like pass the time. Yeah. Uh, but the last time I sing for someone else is a little harder. I don't like singing for people that much. I can't remember. And if I did, I think the easiest answer would be like if I was describing a
0: song to someone. Oh, you're a wonderful singer. So I don't know why you haven't sang for anyone else. Oh, you sang on this podcast last week. I did. I edit the podcast and I didn't even remember that. Yeah, we were like singing different Christmas songs that had to do with different Christmas traditions. That's it. That was the last time I sang for someone was for you, Claire. Wow, thank you. And for
1: all of our audience.
0: Thousands. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um. well thank you for calling me a good singer but yeah of course I don't like singing for people how about you
0: oh I sing all the time it's kind of I think living with roommates I didn't sing as much because I didn't want to be that theater major hmm. like singing all the time but since quarantine and living with Jeff uh, it's constant it's all the time it's nonstop. Uh, <laughs> I think I was singing right before this My number one played song on Spotify this year was Dynamite by BTS. So I really like singing along to Dynamite. BTS? Yes, the K-pop sensation. I didn't know you were into K-pop. I'm into BTS, baby.
1: Oh my gosh, I didn't know this.
0: It's my pump me up song. Okay, okay. Maybe I got to check him out. Yeah. I like singing in different voices sometimes, which is new. It's just a quarantine thing. And Jeff will be like, hey, I love you, but will you sing in your real voice? Because that one is not so good. <laughs> I'll be like, mm, I like to not sing yeah. my
1: real voice either because I feel like uh, it just adds pressure if I try to sing correctly. Like, for instance, I hate uh, karaoke when it's taken seriously.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I- I'm with you. All right, last question <laughs> from part one from section one. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any quality or ability, what would it be? Just one. Is this like a superpower or just like? Just a normal quality or ability. Just one. Probably
1: the the ability to pick up pick up instruments well.
0: Oh, I like that. Mhm. Yeah, that's such a versatile skill too. Mhm. And I think mine would be sign language. I would I know a little bit from college, but I would do more with it cuz I just think it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. With you. I was going to say something with like languages or instruments. I had to choose instruments though.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting that we both picked something that like we could do theoretically. But we but we have that to
1: happen to me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and that's fine.
1: Yeah, maybe a skill for another day.
0: A rainy day. <laughs> um all right, part 2. These questions start to get super deep. Okay. They are like about friendship, values, regrets, relationship with family members, things like that, but I tried to pick some of the lighter ones because we don't need the whole audience falling in love with us. I'm sorry, guys.
1: Oh my gosh. They better fall in love with us. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So
1: so each of these categories, like the last one, was it proving something or?
0: No, it's just questions that when you answer them with someone else, you get to know each other more. It's not like personality quiz putting you in a box or anything like that. It's just like someone's opening up and Giving you, showing you who they really are. That That's what these questions are. They show you who you really are.
1: So is it supposed to kind of like gradually wade you into like getting more serious with a person essentially? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Especially
0: this second section. Like we won't answer these questions, but I'll read you. Um, Some of the questions in this second section are like, what's your greatest accomplishment? What's your most treasured memory? What is your most terrible memory? Mm. What roles do love and affection play in your life? How close and warm is your family? How do you feel about your relationship with your mother, with your father? But those were kind of those questions that you start to really get to know someone and you get to know their values Mm -hmm. through those questions and I feel like you can only develop a really close relationship with someone when you know their values
1: yeah I agree
0: all right so the first question that I'm going to ask you from this section is if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself your life the future or anything else what would you want to know
1: how to get to where I want to be in my career
0: Ooh, that was quick yeah I love that Mm -hmm. You want to know how to get there. That's so interesting because you want to know how to get there. And I want to know, I would want to know what's my purpose. What am I supposed to be doing? Because I feel like I, there's a lot of paths I could take. And I'm at this point where I'm not sure which way. I don't have 100% confidence in any choice.
1: It's so interesting to me because I feel like mine is a little opposite of that where it's like I know where I want to go Mm -hmm. and I'm scared that other, other purposes will arise other than the one I want hmm so it's like kind of got to help each other out a bit there yeah
0: I think maybe we can be that for each other we'll be <laughs> my crystal ball I'll be yours another question is is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time and why haven't you done it
1: learning how to play the piano properly I guess <laughs> goes along with the last one
0: and why haven't you done it
1: so much other stuff
0: also yeah. Spanish,
1: Spanish properly too.
0: Why? Because, well,
1: my mom's Salvadoran mm-hmm. and she didn't properly teach me Spanish um, ever in my life. <laughs> and I took Spanish growing up and like, you know, I've used it when I went to El Salvador every so often, but like, I wish I knew it fluently.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think my dream would be living abroad and I haven't done that because I guess I can blame part of it on the pandemic, but also just... I part of me wants everything to be right when that happens I want to I feel like I need to know my purpose before I move abroad so there's some stepping stones uh maybe I'll go to grad school abroad maybe I'll live abroad for a year um it's just I'm in full support of this yeah I think it would just be really cool I love to travel I'd love to travel for like a year um I'd love to Live in all different sorts of places, but I'm at the same location that I moved right when I graduated, which I feel like a lot of people. uh, Yeah. I'm just a year and a half out of school, so I try not to put too much pressure on myself about it, especially since there's a pandemic.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. I'm going to move into part three. Uh, Part two, we had those getting a little deep. Part three, these questions get the most personal but I still tried to pick the lightest most fun ones okay okay all right share with your partner that's me an embarrassing moment in your life
1: um falling is pretty embarrassing and I feel like I've fallen a few times Hmm. in the past year where I'm like that was embarrassing
0: you know yeah
1: yeah all right I, I don't want to describe the moments because they're embarrassing to talk about. <laughs> but I, I'll leave it vague to say falling in public, it's, uh yeah, not cute. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you feel like a little kid, you know, when, like, you're a little kid and you fall. It's like your legs are so short that it doesn't matter. But when you're an adult and you fall, it's like,
0: girl, oh, what you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. It's so weird. I have to say, after how long have been friends? Seven, eight, nine years? Seven, Eight. Nine? Nine years? Don't talk about it. Um <laughs> <laughs> after being friends for this long, I feel like you were there through a lot of my really embarrassing <laughs> moments, especially in high school. Um and same. <laughs> I can think about certain moments in high school that I just don't want to dive into again because they still feel just as fresh and just as embarrassing. And I remember you comforting me for certain moments that happened. I can't even remember. <laughs> oh god there's one that comes to mind that i remember i was just crying because i was so embarrassed and we were sitting outside the choir room and you were like in five years you won't even remember this and here we are like almost do you 10 remember years later? heck yeah oh i my don't god. remember it so okay. at least
1: i was right about myself that's true
0: <laughs> michelle mm-hmm. final question for you oh okay your house containing everything you own catches fire After saving your loved ones and your pets, you have time to safely make a final dash to save any one item. What would it be and why?
1: Well, thankfully, I have renter's insurance, so I don't have to care about the monetary things that burn because I can just get new ones. It's so nice having, like, a digital world today because there's not that many, like, memories that we need to cherish. But there are a few that I have. Like, I have my journal for when I, like, went to Italy when I was 16 Mm-hmm. that, that I would love to not burn. <laughs> I have my playbills from high school. I have my personal journal now. I think I'd have to save, though, the one from when I was 16. I love that. Because it's just the only kind of insight I have into the pers- the mind of who I was when I was 16. I think I'd have to save that.
0: The other insight is right here in my brain, into who you were at 16. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when, if I can't let you burn in the fire, so, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, that's so interesting. I was looking this up before and I thought about this for a long time. And I'm lucky because a lot of my, like, childhood stuff is at my parents' house, so I don't have to worry about, like, you know, my childhood stuffed animal or or things like that. I thought about this question for a long time because there wasn't really anything that came to mind in particular that I would, like, rush back in for, um... And then I was at my desk and above my desk, I have this pin board that has like a few notes from my aunt, a postcard from when I was in Ireland, a card from my parents, um, like a camera booth photo from college, just a few other things that there aren't copies of anywhere. It has a superlative card from my sorority in college and it has a note from Jeff. And I think like if I were to grab anything, that's probably what I would grab. Yeah. It's just like irreplaceable stuff. That that would make sense to grab. Well, Michelle, those are the 36 questions. And if you want to do this with someone, there is a website called 36questionsinlove.com. And it is thought to be the most aesthetically pleasing way to do this. It just separates each question into a different page and you click next when you're ready for it. Um, so if you want to grow your friendships, grow your relationships, or grow your understanding of yourself, answer these questions.
1: Maybe we'll pick up some wine some night and uh, ask us the serious ones off the, off the record, the Ooh, two of us.
0: I think we should. That'd be fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. So- well, with that said, follow us on at Pod on Instagram and Twitter, folks.
0: And for our homework today, let us know what you think happened to Amelia Earhart and answer the first of the 36 questions. Given any choice in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest?
1: Mm, Your answer might change like mine did like three times. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next time.
0: Bye, guys.